to You Should Sit Down for This with Nishanda and Tony. I am Tony, and I am the co-host of this wonderful brand new podcast, and we are excited to be here. And I'd love to say that my good friend Nishanda is with me to help kick off episode number one. This is Nishanda, and yes, I am very happy to be here co-hosting this podcast with Tony, who I've known for a little while. Not little too while. long, but little a little while. while. You know, not 20 years, but a few. <laughs> yeah, we, we, got at least, we have at least five, you know, over five under our belt. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we have that, and we're pretty soon. Well, next year we'll have an anniversary, right? And that'll be uh, <laughs> that'll give us what seven years or something. I don't know. We're we're getting there. Yeah, yes, seven right. years. Seven years. We're getting there. But at any rate, very excited to to kick this off. It's 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 coming from the perspective of Generation Xers, which is defined as those born between 1965 and 84. Somehow I don't feel like the 80s fits. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but in the definition from Harvard University, um they are. They absolutely are part of wow. generation X. Yeah. yeah. I thought so, they were um millennials starting in the 80s. You know, I, I thought I, I don't know, but if we're if we're going by what Harvard says and they're supposed to be the best, then it is 1965 to 1984, and there's just over 65 million of us in the United States. That was as wow. of 2019, so there might be more, more or less. Well, I don't know. COVID might have changed that. You know, who Aww. knows? Who knows? Hmm. But yeah. tonight's tonight's show, this this first episode is about what matters most to single generation Xers. And our focus tonight will be on relationships. Now, of course, there's different types of relationships. Everything is not romantic, even though that's definitely a, a big one, especially to us, likely, right? Um, yes. But let's let's just start from the beginning because there there's a lot that we can touch on with this, right? So there's like friends, there's family, romantic, like all of that. Even coworkers, all of that, um, because they're not necessarily your friends, <laughs> but they can be your family. So that that's a whole different dynamic. But just starting from the beginning. So thinking again about, you know, the ages of Generation Xers. And so we're looking at folks who grew up in the 70s and 80s. That was our prime time. Mm -hmm. And in our households and neighborhoods, on TV, all of that, that's where we first seem to get our first dose of what friendships and families and romantic relationships look like, right? So as we as we move forward, let's let's first start with friends, because that's the, the easy thing that's <laughs> a little less controversial, right? Yeah. So so Nishana, give me give me your thoughts on this. Now as I was thinking through friends and what it means to be a friend and you you know even first said you know oh we got these years you know not like decades but years but when we think about friends and they say blood is thicker than water do we care about that like you know th does that matter like can your friend be closer than family like what does that look like and, and I, I pull from the Bible with this in Proverbs 18, 24, it says that a friend will stick closer um, than a brother, something to that degree. Go back and look at the scripture. What do you think? <laughs> What's your thought? What's your thoughts? 
So I think with friends, first of all, you're making a choice, right? Your, your family is who you are born attached to, not a choice you're making. Mm-hmm. So I think friends don't necessarily have, and this is true friends, right? People use the term friends very loosely, in my opinion. Um, but true friends, they accept you with all your flaws and don't try to, I guess, change you. They might try to make you better. Maybe, you know, it's maybe a little bit easier for friends to point out uh, things that may be slightly negative uh, about you. Um, I think family has an expectation that you always be there for them because they are family. And I don't think friends mm. do that. That's true. That's true. That, yeah. I think that expectation from family is like always, even if they don't say it, it's, you know. Implied. You, yeah. You're my cousin or you're my parent. I, you're supposed to do X, Y, and Z. And I don't think friends have that you're supposed to be this or do this or treat me this way. It, that expectation isn't there. Okay. Yeah. I, t- I tend to agree with you on that. So, so with that, so you, you kind of actually raised two good things, but it, it sounds like with friends, it's an easier relationship than family because there's no obligation, but because it's so loosey goosey and I don't, I don't expect for you to stay or, you know, think you have to treat me a certain way or anything. Is that what makes it so good? And so, you know, so easy to deal with a friend versus, you know, family. It, it just makes for a better relationship. Like that—that's kind. that's a tricky thing to me because for some people, you know, many of us actually struggle with like abandonment issues or feeling rejected or whatever. And the one thing about family is that even though they may have this implied obligation that, you know, you have to be there, or, you know, you ought to do this or you should do this because you're my sister, cousin, brother, whatever. Um, generally they're there for the long haul. So there's no issue with, well, they're going to leave me or if I do something wrong or whatever that they're going to split. Unlike a friend where it seems like, hey, you know, let's enjoy it while it's good. And if, you know, when it's no longer good, then, you know, peace out, homie. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's where you distinguish between true friendship and something else that you have with someone else, right? So, for example, Mm -hmm. I have people that I might refer to as friends but maybe I only go to the movies with that person, right? They're they're a friend to go to the movies with because they love movies like I love movies. And okay. so that that and that's what we do together. But we don't have deep conversations about feelings and things like that because that's not the kind of friends that we are. So when I think of like friends when comparing to family, it's who, is, who are the people who know me fully that I've made a choice to have a relationship with? They know all the stuff. They know all the bad stuff. They know all the good stuff. They know the history and they still accept me. Okay. Those are the people that, that when I'm comparing to a family, to a family situation that I'm thinking about as a friend. 
Okay. So, so those friends, those true friends, those are the ones who know the skeletons, mm -hmm. the, the people that you can be bare with. So, okay. So that, that, that's good. So let's, let's talk about, so how do we distinguish or what do we call levels of friends, right? Because generation Xers, we seem to be good at using double words to mean something. I like them, but I don't like, like them. Like she's a friend, but she ain't a friend friend. <laughs> so what, what do we call these different layers of, of friends? Like, it's, so we've, we've heard associate tossed around, right? Mm -hmm. So that to me kind of sounds like what you were saying with the, the movie person. We, you know, we enjoy movies, but we're really kind of surface level friends so we associate over movies and that's our thing so is that an associate then do you have like you know the bestie and then how many besties can you have i mean is it you know can you have four or five of them so there's like you know top bestie like what do we call these different people how do we how do we label them or should we even label them so i think it's individual right i call okay. i can call those all those people friends, right? So if I'm referring to them to someone else, I would say friend. But I look at the relationship to determine who's my, like, I'm in trouble. It's two o'clock in the morning and I need for somebody to come and get me because I'm in some kind of situation. I'm going to prison. Oh, okay. <laughs> who, 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 who am I, who do I first want to know that I've done this <laughs> whatever it is the, and who's gonna who's gonna yeah who's gonna come get me and not be judgy and and all of that so it's I think it's individual and in how mm -hmm. you determine how you refer to the, the people in your life but it's going to be based on the relationship that you have with them I agree with what you say you use the word levels and there are levels I think there are levels to family too Mm, okay. Now that's, ooh, that hits a nerve when, when we talk about family. So <laughs> we're going to have to dig into that. I think we're going to need to move there because I think most people, um, we, we can easily distinguish and handle a level of a friend. Um, because, because as you alluded to, depending on what you can trust them with, what you've mm -hmm. been through, what your experiences are, you can, even if you come up with some arbitrary, you know, step ladder of what that means, this is a level one friend, a level two or whatever, you can do that easily. But how do you do that with, oh, that's a first cousin. Well, you know, that's a third cousin. So, you know, extended family, not, <laughs> not as close. Or how do you do that with family? Family is, this is, this is a tough one to me, um, but let's get into it. Let's get into that. So when I, when I think first about family, and again, I, I think this is going to be quite some conversation, but our, our grandparents, they, you know, they came of age, they were probably born in what, you know, the thirties, some of them twenties or whatnot, but back in the forties and fifties, when they were teens and whatnot, they, they had a lot of kids, a lot of children, and they tended to have them fairly early. Now, our parents that, you know, were born in the 50s and whatnot, they they didn't really follow that. They had, you know, several children, you know, maybe five or six of you, but not the 10, 12, 15, 25 children that, you know, grandma, great grandma used to have. So mm -hmm. 
I th just just off the cuff, I'm thinking when we talk about layers and different, you know, family and how we see them, we have a, a smaller bunch to go by and there might be some expectation that you will be closer because it's smaller. Because as the decades have gone on, generations have had fewer children. So there's there's not the, you know, me and my 27 cousins, it might just be the six or seven of you. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that has maybe made some of the obligation because, well, we all we got, you know, <laughs> you know, be like, you know, it, it, it's it's us, you know, do or die. I I don't know. But l let's talk about it, because what I what I've, I've seen in, in terms of statistics so on average that Generation Xers have like two point something kids. So we'll just, you know, let's let's round up to three. So mm -hmm. on average, we have three children, but our siblings at most we're looking at maybe four four or five of us and it just keeps getting smaller and many of us have decided not to have children so will obligations change will you know the, the definition of family change what can we what can we learn from the relationships as it relates to family is is that more or less important are our friendships more important like so much with this what what are your thoughts what are your thoughts so I think one, you, you may have a situation where um, people are more likely to move away from their families. Not like it was, you know, back in the forties and fifties where people tended to stay around their families and maybe stay in the place that they grew up. But mm -hmm. now pe the opportunity for jobs and things are, unlimited really you you can go global so yeah. i i think with this generation this generation was or is more likely to take advantage of the oppor opportunities that are out there which forces them away from the family and so that causes a reliance on friends because you have to you know make a life wherever you are and if you don't right. have any family around you're going to make friends in your regular life. And so I think you tend to lean on them more, but the foundation of your family is always there. They're just not physically present like maybe it was back in the 40s and 50s. Right. Well, do you see that changing now that like after COVID, so many people, you know, were able to work from home and many people continue to work at home because it became good business decision, right? You know, less real estate. We don't have to worry about the office space. We can do it. We have the technology to do it. And technology only gets better over time. So do you think that families will get closer because you don't have to move away for an opportunity or job like, you know, before, or you went away to school, you can do all that here. School is online. There's so much. Do you see family changing? Um, I don't know. Um, I don't know that the opportunity to work from home, for example, is is still a reason not to move away, right? That just, that means <laughs> I can live wherever I want and do this job. And, but you know, where I live is not dictated by the job I have, you know, maybe I have dreams of living in Southern California. I can do that and work from home and have a, a lovely life 
lovely weather, all of that. So I don't, oh, I don't know, but, but, I, but yeah, away from family. But I do think that maybe, maybe, maybe generation Xers tend to come back to the family later in life, especially parents. Mm. Because somebody has to take care of. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's something. Um, yeah. That's, that opens up a whole nother um, ball of wax because one thing, oh, I think with all the, you know, moving away and opportunities and college and school and all that people tended to be away from the family and guess come back, you know, later, maybe come back home, take care of mom or bring mom that you know to where i am now sort of thing but back in the day there, there would be generations living together so it mm -hmm. seemed to be less of an issue everybody knew you know grandma ain't going to no nursing home she's staying right here in the house and there might be three generations living under one roof we we don't see that as much i think that when we were coming up in the 80s and 90s we had like an influx of um teenage pregnancies and a lot of grandparents were raising their children but it seems to kind of be dying out now mm -hmm. um so i don't know what the fi family dynamic will look like i mean perhaps we will get back to three generations in the home but we are definitely taking care of our parents and now that they're aging our our parents are now in their 70s and 80s so that's that's going to look interesting and many of our kids our generation's children are in college and grown Mm -hmm. So, so what are our families going to look like? But I, I, I think that that matters a lot to us. I mean, as we're talking about relationships and, you know, friends and family, I think that as we age, um, and, and probably for anybody as you age, relationships and family become more important because you're getting into like, you get more reflective, you know, whether, whether it's a midlife crisis and what am I doing with myself, whatever. I think you, you do turn inward back to family, but then as we've created family with our friends, I, I think it's, it, it, we, we try to find a way to marry all of those things. You know, whether it's you get an affordable dwelling unit and an in-law suite and well, mama right in the back or, you know, <laughs> buy a duplex and mama live right here. But I'm still in the city with my Bessie so we can kick it and go to wine night or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that will probably continue for our generation because relationships are important. And I think that friends are the family you chose for yourself. And they become equally as important, and you don't want to part from them either. So, I don't know. It's yeah. So yes, and so the other part of this earlier, you mentioned, you know, there there are probably a lot of us that don't have kids. Yeah, yeah. I read, I, yeah. So I read an article about single generation Xers who are you know, concerned about the fact that they don't have a family of their own. And there's the issue of who takes care of, of generation Xers now in their old age. Oh yeah. So there's no, in some cases that's, you know, what, what we might be doing for our parents, there's no body to do that. For yeah. Us. 
Yeah, absolutely. So that's and also an issue. Yeah. So, and maybe, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a big one. So it's like, and to me, it's kind of twofold because looking at and not that we all think like this, but a lot of these millennials are seemingly like reckless. Like, you know, they're just living their lives and, you know, they don't want a real job and they're YouTube queens and kings and TikTokers. And that's how they make their money and just YOLO. You know, you only live once and they do their thing. So it's like, can we trust these people to take care of us? I mean, even if they are around, do we trust them? Do, you know, do we trust this generation? And and, and secondly, I mean, OK, is that why we're so into our professions and heavy into our careers and making sure we have enough insurance and long term care and all of these things? Because it is very uncertain. We don't even know Social Security will be mm -hmm. here for us. Right. Because that's been in the news for years. The trust fund is running out, um, I think, by the year 2034 um, or somewhere around that time. That's what they say. You know, mm -hmm. whether or not that happens, I think they'll probably come up with some fix to that. But there's a lot of uncertainty for our generation. I mean, you know, will we have Social Security? Will can we depend on is what Generation Z and the millennials? Can we can we trust in them and, and, and believe that they'll take care of us and do right by us? We don't know. And again, for the single ones that will not necessarily single, but the those of us who do not have children um, and don't even factor in whether or not you're single because you don't have that person <laughs> to, you know, to help with mm -hmm. you so that you, at least you have a partner in this. So there's so many things to consider um, as we age. And, and I don't know what that will look like. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we, we don't have much time to figure it out. <laughs> we don't. But I mean, but what are the what's what's the contingency plan? Right. So what, what do we do if we don't know? And, and again, I think that might be one of the reasons why friends are so important, because, you know, we're old and, you know, we're in our 70s and 80s and you don't have no chaps. I ain't got no chaps. And, you know, you live down the block and you're like, OK, they amputated my leg. Can you take me to the doctor? OK, girl, I got you. I'm coming, <laughs> I'm, I'm coming down the road. Tell me what's on the appointment is. We go. So. I think relationships matter for so many reasons. And mm -hmm. I think for our generation in particular, as we get older, that is going to be crucial, crucial. Not only that, but, you know, I'm a big fan of, you know, insurance products and whatnot. And even with family, even if we have everybody had, you know, 2.5 kids and you had them to take care of you. Again, we don't know if we can trust them to do that because of the level of responsibility, what we're seeing from them these days. I mean, there are many dynamic, smart, technologically savvy millennials and Gen Zers, but I, I don't know about the common sense and whether or not we can just trust them on that level to the to the degree that we we're the latchkey kids. We're very dependable, right? We we you know we we educated ourselves after school. We you know made snacks and dinner and got ourselves into the house. We didn't talk to strangers. We didn't get, you know, swept up in the vans by the people coming, you know, to entice the children. <laughs> like we are resilient. We can deal with a lot. I can't say as much about the millennials. Again, not, you know, not dogging mm -hmm. the, the later generations, but they're definitely a different breed, you know, than than what we were. Yes, so definitely. so I, I think contingency plans, I think having friends um, the select group of family that 
you you can depend on because again it's for for many it's an obligation and not not really that they want to or not even that you can depend on them to to be there for you as well i mean there's there's so much with that but i I think like insurance and having other things in place having your money together having some kind of plan um some other kind of plan we have to yeah absolutely yeah. But what about what What do you think about, um, again, you know, back in the day, families were much larger. So, you know, you and I are sisters and, you know, our we, you know, we get married and, you know, you had 10 kids. I had 10 kids. We got all these cousins like there was a, a larger extended family and mm-hmm. there were so many people to pull from if you needed help or, you know, family reunion, all, all of those things. There it was. There was more connection years ago. And now that we have less of that, that dynamic is not there. So do you think that the friends network make up for that? And that's going to, I guess, uh, resolve our issues later on in, in, in age, you know, where we need this nucleus and we don't have our extended family to do it. And our friends will take up the slack on that. Or do you think that we're going to have to pay for it? You know, (laughs) you know, you use that Medicare part, you know, part B and, and, you know, get you, get you a a gap plan, get you a Medigap. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to pay the people to come take care of you. Or, you know, since we don't have as many cousins, you know, it it will be the friends. What, What do you, what do you think about that? Or which, what do you think we should do about that? I mean, because that seems sort of evident like you can't you can't make family appear that aren't there right so what else can we do i don't know what we can do about it um but i do to answer your other question think that friends do make up for that so in situations where you know you've moved away from the family or you don't have a lot of family just because families aren't as as large yeah, you're going to rely on on friends. And so when you're older, you don't have kids. You know, some people make those arrangements with their friends where you they might have a friend that they share a house with. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it's cost effective. They're retired. Why not? Nobody has any kids. We've been friends for 20 years. Golden girls. Yeah. <laughs> Golden I mean... girls is it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, funny thing, um, what are they called? Co-ops? I've seen a lot of communities where kind of like mobile home communities, like little house communities, right? Yeah. Tiny house. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody, you know, okay. Especially as you're older, you, you pull some of your retirement out or 401k, TSP, whatever you have, you, you might have a nice little piece of change. So, you know, the, the 10 of us, Let's let's get a tiny home community and, and we support one another. And I see a lot of that these days. Uh, you know, I'm on I'm on YouTube and I follow different people and that's becoming a thing. Just like these, you know, RV homes and, and communities of people who, you know, we're, we're going to take care of each other. We're going to do it. Yes, it's us yes. against the world. Yeah. And I think I think that's cool. I think that's cool. But so. So how do you, can you only do that as a single 
Generation X, right? Can we only do that as a single person? Because the I think the big question of the day and what's big on everybody's mind, do, do you actually want to be partnered up? Do you want to be booed up? Like, how does that work? Do we only think about these things when we're single? I mean, like you and your husband, y'all want to move into the tiny home or, you know, how do we do that? Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know that a lot of this matters if you are in a, a committed relationship, you know, whether it's, you know, male, female, like whatever, like, does that matter? You know, trying to find these contingency plans and the great friends and the communities and all that. Do you worry about those things if you're partnered? I think you do worry about those things still because you still want to have like a, a full life. Right. And even if you're a couple, couples have friends and, you know, people that they interact with. And even as an individual, as part of a couple, you know, that as an individual, you still have things that you like to do and friends that you have that like to do those things too. you know, maybe the husband wants to play golf. The wife doesn't play golf, but he's got friends he plays golf with. So I think in a couple situation, you still need that community, especially when you're older. So if even if a couple does have kids, when they get older, those kids are those kids aren't there. They're off right. with their own families, doing their own thing. And so they I think you I think you still need your friend community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, okay. So real talk, real talk. Um, divorce is a real thing, right? Mm-hmm. So in having these communities with your partner, in the event that you become unpartnered, what happens to your little community? Like how easy is it to find new people. Do you do that? Can you know what I mean? Most most relationships when they end, not that you're they're not amicable and you can't be somewhat friends, but you don't really I don't want to live amongst you, you know, and the people like we can't no. It's we got a break, right? And, and that's older. As you get older, that's harder. Right. Like so what do we pretty much and I don't I don't know this to be true or not with Generation Xers, as we continue to age, is, are we more likely to stay together just because we are getting older and we want to avoid that? Does I mean, does that make for infidelity in a relationship? Like, I'm not happy in this, so I'm going to step off or I don't know. I don't think we're more likely to stay in something maybe that isn't working for that reason than the previous generation. I feel like, you know, they may have been under some pressure, especially since women didn't work outside the home as much. Now you have women working outside the home and are more independent. They don't need to stay for financial reasons. They don't need to. But I think the previous generation, there may have been a need for that because you have you've been married for 30 years and you haven't worked and that's not what women and that's not what women did outside the home so much back then and so it would it would make life very difficult so i don't think now that we're more likely to stay in situations that aren't working um 
I mean, people do obviously. Right. People right, right, do, right. but I don't, I don't know. I don't know that people would, um, that people are staying longer because of the, you know, growing older piece and not wanting to, you know, have to start over with everything. Cause with the friend piece, when people get divorced or even if it wasn't a married couple, but maybe a couple who had mutual friends, a side is always picked. Yes. Unfortunately. Yes. Unfortunately, friends aren't going to stay friends with both people, at least not to the same degree in a lot of cases. I've seen that happen where a side was picked in a, in a divorce situation. A side was picked. And that other person was just left out there to rebuild without some of their friends. You know, that wasn't all the friends, but without right, some right. of the friends. Yeah, and that's, I, and I think that's that's tough. I mean, I don't I don't want to. I'm 60, and I had to find all new friends and everything just because it didn't work out with me and and, and this guy. Like, that's rough. That's mm-hmm. a lot. Um, th- so does that mean that? And and we've heard the term before. We need to have better emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- that word is funny to me. That term is funny because when, when I looked it up, because I'm like, what does that mean? People, you know, oh, she's not emotionally intelligent and, you know, you're, un- you know, emotionally unavailable, like all these new terms. Right. Like we weren't mm-hmm. saying this when we were younger. And when I looked at the definition, it says the capacity to be aware of control and express one's emotions and to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously and empathetically. So I'm like, oh, that's a lot of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to, you know, judge how I feel and, and you know, am I thinking of others? And it, that's a lot. That, that's heavy. <laughs> so when, when people pick sides, is, is that a sign of low emotional intelligence? And how can we build it up if it is? But so that that doesn't happen. You mean by the people the the people who pick the side? Correct. Or what? Or what can we do so that we're more emotionally intelligent to where it doesn't bother? We're more resilient. It doesn't bother us. The lack of or the you know the low level of emotional intelligence these people have because it has to be something that we either buffer ourselves with when we're dealing with you know breakups or whatever or you know we deal with it or how or do you, <laughs> you try to get the people on your side so that you're left with the friends and <laughs> the other person they they don't have them like how do how do we balance all of that out i i i personally i don't know and, and maybe it's me but the older i get the, the less filter i have and the less i care about what other people think I'm like, I, I can be by myself alone, like whatever, whatever. I'm, I'm fine. Just, just sit me in front of somebody ocean and I, you know, let me, <laughs> let me read a book, give me some good food and I'm happy in the long run. I mean, I know that that's a, a short term, you know, solution. However, I, I, I worry less about how other people think of, think of me. And I don't know if that makes me more or less emotionally intelligent. Um, It's more. more. It makes you more emotionally intelligent. Right? So you can 
handle it if somebody criticizes you, right? Mm -hmm. You can handle it. You can either say, you you know, uh, either you already know that it's true, whatever it is they've said. So you're not upset by it because you already are self-aware enough to know. Or if you don't, maybe it's something no one's ever said to you before. You don't react in a way that is hostile or angry. Mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. you can you consider it. Maybe this person's experience with me is is what they've said, and if I maybe I need to evaluate whether or not I'm I'm coming across this way. I think that's a sign of emotional intelligence. Okay. I, yes. I like it. I like it. Um, but how do how? Okay, so I guess even going a little bit before becoming emotionally intelligent, how do we learn that? Right? Because I never went to an emotional intelligence school. Nobody ever sat me down. My parents <laughs> didn't say, you know, hey, this is how you become aware of and control your expressions and your but like. I've never had those conversations. So when we grew up, we saw in relationships there were like the Huxtables and you know you watch good times the walkers and all of you know we, we we've seen different couples together and in dynamics even the golden girls we mentioned them earlier like how they dealt in, in dating relationships and even with each other so it's like how did we learn what it was to become emotionally aware and intelligent and and, and if there's so many people i know who don't have this because they lose it or they have, you know, in you know, codependencies, unhealthy codependencies with other people or whatever. But how do we build that muscle? So I guess it's a, t- a twofold thing. How do we learn it? And if we didn't learn it well, um, which everybody did not learn it well, how do we build that muscle? How do we become more emotionally intelligent so that in our romantic relationships or any relationship, um, we're stronger and we show up better? So that we're happier and that we project better to other people. Well, I think, okay, so I agree with what you said, that there's a lot of cases where you're not taught that as children because your parents didn't know how how to do that either, right? And so I think it's a constant learning. So once you, and it's not even becoming an adult, it's it's how much you pay attention to things, right? Mm-hmm. Do you take advice from people or are you right all the time? And so you dismiss what anybody tells you. Do you seek out information? Do you try to make an effort to make yourself better in whatever way? Do you recognize when you've been too harsh with someone? that maybe you could have said something differently. I think that's the learning process. And that's all the time, every day, but you're aware of it. You're aware that that's taking place. Like it's a constant and a conscious, I'm working on me. Mm. And an understanding that it's not anything that ever stops. And I think the people, like you you said, um, sometimes people lose it. I think you can lose it. Sometimes it's some traumatic experience can make yeah. you lose, right? Where you've you've just given up on self-improvement. Mm-hmm. Or or you you just think there's nothing else 
to be done. You've achieved perfection. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm good. I don't need to work myself <laughs> anymore. Right, I'm good right. at 35. I know everything. <laughs> I don't need to grow. Right. Yeah, and, it, yeah. and it could be like taking in little things like, I don't know, you read a magazine article and it has a sentence. Are you paying attention enough that maybe you that strikes you as something that maybe could work for you? So that's yeah, why I say that constant. Right. Yeah. And how many people actually take the time to reflect? I mean, like mm -hmm. in, in busy life, you know, whether you're, you know, raising children uh, you know, your occupation, you know, has you busy, your, you know, your job has you going. When do you have time to actually just sit, read something, reflect and see how that applies to your own life? So in, in building these muscles, and I agree, I think that's that's the thing. You have to use different resources, whether it's meeting people, talking to someone, having a mentor, um, whatever however you get these these different cues in life to to help build your emotional intelligence physical you know the body every everything every muscle every fiber every everything of ourselves has to continuously be worked um in order to you know grow and develop but mm -hmm. i think that many of the many of the of the of the good things, the goodness that we get, that we the, the development that we have, and that you know how we continue to grow, I think a lot of it, oddly enough, comes from our work, because I think that's really where you get you get an opportunity to learn yourself. Most of the time, the skills your whether it's your your soul mission in life or whatever, a lot of those skills that you have that you bring into because you don't bring that in necessarily into your family. Um, you know, you're born with what you have, but whatever occupation you take on later in life, that's where you you know actually get a, a chance to express yourself and and use your skills and talents and what you know, the creator has given you. Right. So I think though a lot of those life lessons really come through your job or, or maybe, you know, and for some people just spiritual, whether you're spiritual or religious or whatever, you get a lot of those um, lessons and, you know, I learned to reflect and all that stuff. You get it from work because we didn't get it from home. Most, most of us. Mm, I think even there, it's, it's really about level of effort, right? Because you, you can work with people who, you know, 20 years ago, they have the same, they had the same bad attitude that they have now mm -hmm. because there's no effort there. Right. Yeah, but and, but you learn something through their negative attitude. So, OK, so and, and that's and that's great right there. Right. So say you used to work at, I don't know, some hospital and you, you know, graduated from that, and, you know, moved on, you know, in your career. And now you're doing something, you know, all lovely, making 50, 60 thousand dollars more. You go back to the hospital because you have some family member there and you end up seeing some people you used to work with back then in the same position, doing the same thing with the same attitude that they have that in that, that workspace, even though you're not there, that taught you a lesson just in work and how they still manage, how they're still there, how they still do the same thing. So I still think you get to, you know, 
exercise those muscles and emotional intelligence and how you reflect and deal with things because it still came through work. You're just not there no more. But you see it through them and you're able to apply other people's lessons and messages to your own. That's my thought. I don't I don't necessarily need to go through something myself for me to see it through someone else and get things. I don't, I, mm-mm. Like for, I, for everything, I don't I don't have to, you know, touch the fire, get burned. If I see you do it, that's good enough for me. I learned the lesson. That's hot. I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to do it. And, you know, same thing with, you know, growth development and everything else and how I relate to people. If I see that this person is still where they were, where I left them 20 years ago um, without progression, that's a learning lesson for me. Um, and hu- humility. You know, you know, humbleness and that. But I, I, I think I think that that contributes, you know, when you see other people in something and you don't have to experience it for yourself. Yeah, I mean, I think work is you spend a lot of your life, unfortunately, working in a lot of cases. Um, and that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, I don't know, though, that the experiences there are as impactful to life as a whole. I don't I don't know. I don't know. And I say that because. And and obviously there are people who work is their life. Mm -hmm. They put all they have families, but they put all their effort all their energy, all their time into work, right? Right. Which can neglect the family. But I think nowadays, especially in, I'm going to go with other generation Xers who have families, male and female, the family piece is extremely important. And I think that's why there's all this talk all the time about work-life balance and all of that. And Everybody tries to take advantage of that where they can because the family is more important to them than work. And I think people put more effort into their families. People can come to work and be hostile and then go home and be very different. That's true. But but I mean, there's a growing number of us who don't have I mean, but I guess it depends on too what you consider family, because, again, your family could be your community of friends or whatever, because since there's so many of us, you don't have children to go home to. You might not have a, a spouse or a partner that you're going home to. So what then? Well, you still have outside relationships that are important to you, hopefully. Hopefully. So hopefully. it's the same thing, right? you still don't want to spend all your time working. Maybe, you know, maybe single generation Xers go on more vacations and they're going on vacations with their friends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so they, they aren't necessarily pouring everything they have, all their effort, all their time, all their energy, energy into work. It's important because you need work to have this, lovely lifestyle that you want to maintain outside of work. Absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know. I just think like anything that you do, if you're aware of it, aware of yourself and how you present in the world 
is a benefit, but you have to make an effort to improve yourself, not just see things happening and just be like, oh, well, (laughs) I'm just going to keep doing what I do. I'm going to keep chugging along and hope for Mm -hmm. the best. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. Well, just to full, to bring this like full circle, mm-hmm. it's it, it it definitely when we look at what matters most to Generation Xers who are single, it it we I think we can pinpoint their relationships, whether it's your friends, your family, or a romantic relationship. That this tops the chart. Because it, it's, it, it touches so many different aspects of your being, being in a relationship. So the connectedness, like it's not good to be alone. Mm-hmm. Whether, you know, like, you know, not have friends, not, you know, being in a sea of me is not a good thing. This is important to us. And it seems like, in my opinion, that relationships are are seemingly less important as the generations go on and i think we're the last of of the true generation that value relationships i think i think things work in a cycle too please explain so you know we talked about how families were in the 40s and 50s and now we have this where it's transitioning to families or has transitioned to families being smaller Mm -hmm. and maybe people are a little more detached from their families i think it it'll go back to that and i think some of that i think people took a look at that especially with covid like what is really important here and Mm -hmm. i think people May there may be a turn now. It might take a generation or two, but it more. Um, but I think it'll transition back. Now, not I don't think I don't know if people will go back to having ten t- kids. But, yeah, they can afford it. <laughs> yeah, but I think it'll I think it'll go back to where the family is the focus at at some point. Okay, well, I I like I think that's a great thing and I think it should happen. And history generally repeats itself when you can pick out those lessons that are good. Um mm-hmm. and you purposely make, you know, change toward them because I mean, we've had pandemics before. This is not the first. COVID is not the first. Um and maybe it took this for people to to see, you know, that life is short, and, you know, hey, I don't know. Um and then there's other factors, right? So we see the changing demographic of, you know, minority groups and and the the melting pot and how, you know, um, it was out, I think, in the news earlier this year that um, Caucasians, white people, they're slowly becoming the minority and Hispanics, Latinos are becoming more of a majority, even I, I think more so than um, black people. So maybe people will see a need for more children, bigger families, and more in time, maybe for different reasons. I don't know. Um, but that's all very, very possible. And I mean, I, and I think that would be a, a good thing. I just right now, I don't see it. In the short term, I don't see it. Um, not yet. Not yet. 
these <laughs> the, the the generation um the generations because there's what two now um below us i think that what i what i notice with them is that technology um not that friends aren't important but friends are definitely more important than family a lot of them do not want children um a lot of them they're not social they text all the time so they're not building the the strong connections um, that we did. We didn't have that. We grew up in a time like cell phones, beepers, all of that was invented, <laughs> you know, during our lifetimes. Um, I was mm-hmm. talking to my sister the uh, just last night and, and we were talking about um, by the time she graduated um, from high school that she didn't even have a cell phone. And I'm like, you know what? We didn't because they were mobile phones. So unless you had a car outfitted with a phone, we didn't have them. And this is, you know, the the early 90s. Um, mm-hmm. So, again, looking at the generation now, I I hope in the future they grow families and they, you know, they, they grow, you know, to to really respect and love and, and, and want more relationship in a more qualitative way. Um, but right now with the technology and how things are going, it just seems like they're, um, it, it's, we're heading in a, you know, in, in the wrong direction with that, if that's the goal. Agreed. But I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. And for us, I guess, again, just to drive the, the point home, relationships matter. They yes. really, really do. Um, and even though we may not have all the solutions, I would definitely welcome from our listeners or, you know, anyone who's, who, you know, might want to reach out. What other areas matter most to us, you know, as, as a generation? I mean, definitely relationships and family and whatnot. But what else? I mean, we kind of touched on career. And I, and I think that's another um, conversation for sure. But career, and you know, our health. You know, we, we know so much more about um, what to eat, what not to do. And, you know, and cancer mm-hmm. became a big thing, you know, during our time because it wasn't before. GMOs, that was not even a thing. Organic, everything was organic. Um, you know, money, religion, spirituality, all of that. There's there's so much that um, may have importance to us. And, and I think those are conversations that we need to continue to have. I agree. All right. Well, for for today's show, I think we should wrap this thing on up and we should get back to those conversations in the next week or two. Next episode. I, I, I agree. It, it, this has been a good conversation. It has. And we thank everybody for being with us and indulging us in this conversation we anticipate healing our generation through these candid conversations. So join us each and every time and we'll continue to dive into it and do more digging and healing. Thank you for You Should Sit Down for This Productions. Thank you. Thank you.